episode 38 as we review the draft. We started with the first round the other night, and now we have the rest of it too. What's going on, Vort? Not much. I was waiting for this one. Uh, the first round had me excited. The rest of the draft just piled on top of that excitement. There was nothing that went wrong. I can't wait to dive into it and get your thoughts, but I'll be honest with you. After you and me texted earlier today, draft is merely the second thing I'm looking forward to <laughs> for today. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to hear the Facebook post you pulled up from some of the geniuses who claim to be Jets fans and who claim to understand football. Yeah, but, it's, uh, uh, I, I said, well, yeah, I actually didn't send you one. There's two. You know, I know we talked about having like three, but um, one of the uh, two, two that stuck out like holy crap. It's just just the ridiculousness that we've always talked about. How jet fans are either like the ne- most negative people in the world. Everything's falling apart, or we're winning the Super Bowl. And now after this draft, everybody's like, we're winning the Super Bowl. You know, it's it's just it's it's insane. We'll get to that though. So we we, we uh, we'll get to it. Talk to me about the draft. Now, I've seen a lot of people super excited. You just said you're super excited about the whole draft. I think it was a cool draft, but I just think, you know, fifth round on is, you know, 130 different defensive backs and outside linebackers and and defensive ends. They're all projects. They're all depth. They're all probably special teams or maybe scheme fits. But I'm not saying I'm unhappy about it, but why are you and why everybody – is everybody else so excited about this being such a great draft? Just explain to me your thoughts. I can speak for myself, and I'll give you my rationale. Number one, the way we kicked off round two, getting a very talented wide receiver, gets great reviews, high grades, just seems to be an all-around talented guy, uh, another weapon for a young quarterback to grow with. So that was kind of starting round two with a bang. The rest of it, was just gravy to me. I don't look at anybody as a short thing after the second, possibly third round, if you're lucky. What made this draft so so positive for me is when you watch ESPN, when you watch any of those sports shows, they always typically put up positions of needs. And as the draft kept going on, the Jets kept crossing off positions of need. They drafted a running back. I know you wanted a running back. I believe they drafted one in the perfect position. They didn't They didn't reach for one. They didn't go way too early. And they didn't grab one in the sixth or seventh round when you were like, well, it's a throwaway. Let's see what happens. And that's what made it, that's what made this draft for me a positive on all fronts. They kept plugging in positions of need. They drafted a couple of cornerbacks, a safety. And like you, None of those guys, I don't pretend to know them. I don't pretend to say that, I've, uh, that I'm going to buy into all the hype, even if they do get great grades uh, for being a late, uh, late round pick. But I just love the fact that they were putting depth to positions that needed depth. That, to me, is what I absolutely loved about the draft. I will say I totally agree about the, the, the second round pick. Um, this kid, you know, I, I didn't think they would take him. I thought they were going to take Cox, the, the linebacker, because they do have a need at linebacker. This guy was a first-round talent, but had had some shoulder. I believe he had shoulder surgery. He ended up falling to the middle of the, you know, middle of the third round, or maybe the whenever it was. It didn't matter. But I thought that's who they were going to take. And 
um, you know, I think it was the middle of the second round. Cowboys grabbed him. But but this kid, Elijah Moore, is a first-round guy. And, you know, some people are complaining about his size. But, I mean, he's no smaller than, than Tyreek Hill or some of these other guys that are drafted. I mean, two guys in the that were, that were drafted in the, in the top 10 were, were, were his size or, or right around his size, whether slightly bigger, slightly smaller. So I'm not as concerned about the size. But some of the, some of the things they say about what he can do and, and his talents and stuff, I mean, if you've ever looked at uh, NFL.com and and when they have all the players for the draft, you know for the top three three rounds or so for guys that they expect to go there, they give a, they give a a uh, a player comparison. So it'll be like you know this guy is a defensive end. His player comparison is some jabroni I never heard of. This guy's draft comparison was Antonio Brown, which I was like, oh my god, I know grain of salt. He's not going to be Antonio Brown, but just to just to have a guy who you're considering to be in the class of Antonio Brown, like a small guy who can get this stuff done, just opened my eyes a little because you never see draft comparisons to huge superstars like that. It's usually some mid-level guy or like, for instance, Zach Wilson's comparison. Yeah. Well, they they had, they didn't, he was picked in the second round, but they had him with a first round grade. But like, for instance, when Darnold was drafted, they had his, his comparison is Matthew Stafford. Now they didn't, you know, Stafford's a good comparison. That's probably a, a very good one for Darnold, but they didn't have him as, you know, Tom Brady and they didn't have him as, you know, uh, you know, freaking, uh, you know, Brad, Bryce Petty. They had him as a guy in the middle, but this guy, Elijah Moore was, was draft comparison was, was to Antonio Brown, which I found fascinating. So I, you know, went and looked him up and, all these things, and, and there's not anyone anywhere saying a bad thing about this guy, except you know some idiot Jet fans complaining about his size. The running back, I thought, you know, it, you know he's a small guy also, but he has every intangible. He's fast. He's tough. He had an eight, I believe, if I remember reading correctly, he had an eight yards per carry average at North Carolina this year. Now he was in a quarterback tandem with uh, who's who's a uh, Kenneth um no something Williams, Javante Williams. Is that is am I am I saying this guy's name right i forget if it's javante or something whatever his name was williams and he was part of a committee now you get some of these jet fans jumping on and saying oh what so what he's small barry sanders was small too i'm like really that's who you're jumping to barry sanders so taking the grain of salt i think the guy was drafted to be part of a a committee backfield i think you know if you look at what they did in san francisco they didn't have a feature back they had a bunch of complimentary guys who did different things and this guy's just another one he's the small speed guy you get tevin coleman's going to be your your pass catching guy you know somebody these two other kids adams and i forget the other guy's name are going to be your um you're going to be your you know your bigger backs that maybe get the goal line carries i don't know what p ryan is i have no idea but I like the pick. He's he's projected to do very well, and I thought that was there. Where I do run into a little bit of question is taking so many defensive backs in a row because they took, I think they took four or five guys in a row that were either safeties, linebackers, or defensive backs who, from what I'm reading, will all be interspersed and used differently, and they pick scheme fits, and these guys are all versatile guys who can play different positions. They're not going to only play corner. They're going to play safety and linebacker special teams depth, all of that stuff, which I like, but just picking that many guys, and I know it's a position of need, but it just seems like, you know, it just feels like they threw so much against the wall hoping it'll stick. I hope that's not the case. I'd like to think they had something in mind, but, you know, my uninformed opinion, it just looks that way. I kind of view it the same way as you. Uh, late round guys, projects, listen, throw shit against the wall. Uh, they, I, I'm assuming that they saw enough athleticism in them that they saw at least a couple of them breaking through on special teams, guys. And hey, 
if one of those guys emerges and I don't even want to say starts from week one, but develops into a serviceable player who can come in in the nickel or dime packages, a guy that you snapped up in the fifth or sixth round, that's pretty good. But I kind of looked at it the same way as you. They saw a couple of them that uh, that they said, listen, there is something there, maybe a diamond in the road a diamond in the rough, some potential, grabbed a couple of those guys. But to me, Robo, I'll be honest with you, the draft was made with the selection in the second round. When we got that wide receiver, that just, because to me, the first round played out beautifully. We got our quarterback of the future. We traded up. We identified an offensive lineman. We made a move. All the reports when the second round started, I don't know if you were following it at all. I was getting alerts on my phone, all that jazz. Every report that I was getting said Jets are the uh, prime candidate to trade away their first, second round pick Mm -hmm. because there were so many teams that identified first round talent still on the table that they were going to, everybody was kind of, it was a given that the Jaguars were keeping their pick and teams were talking to the Jets. And I kind of said to myself, you know what? Okay. I guess it makes sense. I can convince myself to say that the, it's logical because we we traded away some of the picks to move up for a guy we identified in the first round. So now we're going to move down and uh, maybe we'll, uh, instead of uh, drafting early in the second round, we're drafting late. The fact that they had their eye on a guy and said, listen, this is a first round talent. This is a guy that can help us this year. They stuck to their guns. They did not move down on the draft. It's a weapon for our young quarterback, and it's a potential first-round talent. Love that they did not move back to accumulate, quote-unquote, uh, more picks, but kind of said, listen, this is the guy that we, sh- we should not pass on this guy. This is somebody who will make this team better and uh, more likely in the short run than the long run. So I lo- that, to me, that made my draft. Everything after that was I looked at it as a project, as a potential, as throw as much shit against the wall, hope one or two of those sticks. But the first three guys we, we've brought to the team in this draft, and, and again, just uh, getting that wide receiver in the second round, to me, a, a, one thing, anything else was going to be greedy. And I love the running back too. Uh, I love it for the same reasons that you do. Uh, we have the guy, the, our head coach is coming from the scheme of uh, San Francisco 49ers. I don't think he's looking for that one true every down back. He's looking for guys with certain skill sets. Uh, Coleman was brought in. We already have a couple of young, young guys on the roster. And now we draft another one. Like you said, he has the skill set where he can be part of the committee. And uh, that's all you can ask for. He's going to be a guy that's... Uh, he's going to be in pads. He's going to be in uniform on a Sunday, which means they expect him to contribute. Contribute. So that's already four guys we're talking about that we can pretty much pencil in as uh, everyday players. So to me, that just uh, that summarizes a pretty damn good draft when you come out with four kids who you think are going to be immediate contributors. I have to tell you, I was one of those guys who, who expected to and honestly wanted them to trade out because I figured they would trade back five, six, ten picks, whatever it was, still get a really good player and they would get a third-round pick back because I figured Douglas would want a third-round pick after trading both away. And obviously, if you're trading back, you're going to get that third and more. I figured they would take a pick next year. So they would trade seconds, get that third back, take a pick next year because they, I mean, they are stacked for next year now. But 
it worked out well. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't say I am unhappy about it. I, I mean, this kid's supposed to be great. Uh, I just thought that's what they would do. And at the end of the day, at the end of the third round, where they didn't have a third round pick, they had three players that were first round guys. So you can't be unhappy about that at all. I mean, three first round talents in the first three rounds. So, so why you didn't have a third round pick at that point? You now you're now way ahead of the game. So, at the, you know, after it's all said and done, I'm happy with that. The other thing that jumps out at me. And I, I don't remember, we, we certainly didn't have this podcast for last year's draft, but I think we've spoken about this, is that Douglas is drafting um, high caliber and high yes. high level personality guys. They're all team captains. They are all, um, you know, character guys. That's the word I'm looking for. They're all character guys. And that's what he did again here. The other thing he's doing also, uh, it seems, I saw, I read this from someone, and, 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 and if you think about it, it's true. The NFL is trending towards smaller, faster guys. Now, obviously, the offensive linemen know, the defensive linemen know, but your skill position players and your, and your, maybe even your linebackers, they're looking for smaller, faster guys. And Douglas did a lot of smaller, faster guy stuff. You know, Elijah Moore, who we just spoke about, is a smaller, faster guy. The, um, you know, the running back is a smaller, faster guy. A lot of these defensive guys that they took are smaller, <laughs> faster guys. So they are looking for speed. And listen, it, it looks like we've watched the Chiefs. And that's exactly years. what I was going to say. Yeah, if you're going to emulate all success, about speed. yep, go with the Chiefs. Speedy guys the that Chiefs, just run yeah. you into the ground. Yeah, and I mean, speed kills. I mean, look, remember the, the greatest show on turf? I mean, that was 25 years ago, but those guys were fast, and you know, they 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 lit it up. They lit it up because they had they had speed on, on the outside, and they had Warner who can get them the ball. They played on turf, obviously, and and speed has always been a big factor. The NFL now seems to be going towards those smaller, faster players, and that's what. That's it seems to me that's what Douglas did. So when you take all of that and combine it into small, fast guys, scheme fits, um, you know, high character guys who were team captains and are not going to be these these idiotic morons who are who are making a scene and making it all about them. They're, they're getting in there and they're going to be team leaders. Now you really have something that's that's built. You have a foundation for something real over the next couple of years. These players all grow together and they're all team leaders. And let's face it, man, you got a young kid in there who's a quarterback that you're looking to groom and and it can't it can't hurt to have, you know, high character team leaders around him. So this is this is very exciting from that standpoint. I have not heard a lot of people talk about it from that perspective, but it's it's very, very exciting to look ahead a couple of years and see what the Jets are going to be like. I think it's one of the most important and one of the least talked about things. Exactly what you talked about is filling the locker room with high character guys, because when you have those high character guys, you're no longer worried if you're bringing in one guy from the draft or in the free agency that quote unquote questionable character because you know that the foundation in the locker room will surround him with the with the right attitude that won't let him take over the the locker room fracture the locker room and facilitate a lot of negativity versus the locker room the jets have had over the past couple of years you can't afford to bring a bad apple somebody like a santonio holmes just brandon marshall even just though he was guys still, he, who yeah, yeah. there's no leaders to sort of quote-unquote, keep them in check. And when those loud, boisterous personalities start to fracture the locker room, it everything goes to shit. But when you have a locker room full of, like you said, the captains, the leaders, guys who understand the importance of cohesion, of being like a family, you can bring that one or two, quote-unquote, questionable characters, and you're not going to be worried because they are being put in a surrounding where they're going to get the nurture, the love, 
and sometimes a little bit of tough love, but they are not gonna the the attitude is gonna be either give the program or you're not gonna last here. So that uh, I think is one of the least talked about, but one of the most important things is filling your locker room with the type of guys you just described, high character guys. And we forgot about the biggest prima donna, the most recent one who is still paying dividends and will continue to pay dividends in Jamal Adams. I mean, that, as great as that guy is on the field and when things are great, his personality is great. But, you know, you, you saw what he turned into when he wanted out of here. And, and it's that that was just I can't imagine that that did not divide the locker room and, and create all kinds of tension. I just can't imagine it. And it created a situation where the Jets had, you know, like. Douglas was forced to say publicly, we love Jamal, we want him here forever, and then two months later trade him. And that, you know, it's it, it it was forced to be a hypocrite. And that's that's the kind of guy that he's probably not looking to bring in the locker room again. And and obviously you're always gonna have guys that are looking to, you know, play for themselves and they they want their money. But you know, if you're not doing what the Jets did all those years and screwing players over, then you don't have to worry about it. It just becomes a business. They go their separate ways when it's free agency, or you sign them and then you move on. And one thing that people never talk about, and, and I know we have, is is you you get all these young kids in here. You don't sign big contract older free agents, all young kids. You grow them together. And then after three years, four years, when their contracts are up, you now have to make decisions on who to pay. And you can't pay everybody, obviously. So what you do is, instead of doing what the Jets have done all these years, which is trade them all away, you just keep replenishing through the draft and you let them walk as free agents and you get compensated with draft picks. When, you know, these comp compensatory picks at the end of the third round, those what, what those work as is it's almost like a rolling basis. If you lose two free agents and you only sign one, you get you you know so basically you now have you can get a compensatory pick. If you lose three free agents and only sign one, then you get two compensatory picks. So that is the smart way to do it: is you at least get something for these guys. You let them play out their contract. You get your compensatory pick, and then and then you move on. That's what you guaranteed a third round pick. So like basically free agent of, of a certain stature bring yep. you picks back. And if you don't sign guys stupid stupid contracts like the jets do then you get those picks and that's what new england did for years they wouldn't sign big free agents their free agents would walk and they would have all these extra picks to make moves with and that's you know that that is how you build more draft capital and you continue to replenish your system because the salary cap will not allow you to pay everybody so that's another another smart move douglas is doing he's keeping He's keeping salary down now. These guys are all going to grow. And then when he has to, hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, that's me knocking on wood, Zach Wilson turns into something and they'll have to pay him in a couple of years. And then when that happens, hopefully he will have developed into what we've spoken about so many times, the Rodgers, the Breeze, who can you know, bring the level of the players around him up as they replenish. And you just keep doing that on a bit. So, you know, for three years, he will have this group of guys and then he's got, you know, kind of overlaps with the next group of guys. And then six years, he's, he's working with guys that he wasn't working with after three years at all. It's just, it just keeps rolling. And, and the only cons consistent ones are maybe the linemen, him, and, and maybe, you know, who knows, who, who knows who else, defensive players, whatever the case is. So that seems to me what Douglas is doing. He is, he is, Drafting all of these these young, speedy, good character guys that hopefully they can find a way to pay. If they can't, they get their picks and then they develop these players into team leaders so that the team, when it has when it does have to take a step back because of players that leave, they can they can fight through it and and wait it out as they keep replenishing through the draft. I also quickly want to touch on the fact uh, that, that you mentioned 
you you envisioned and you possibly saw the Jets would trade down and you gave excellent reasons. If that was to happen, that would not have soured my mood on the draft. I When all those reports were coming out, it made sense to me the way it was written up. And that's why I'm even more excited about this pick because they saw enough in him to say, no, we cannot let this guy go. We got to jump on it. Something about that pick made them commit because obviously the calls were there, but there is smoke, there is fire. I'm sure they had offers on the table and the ability to move down and give up that pick was there if they so chose. So the fact that they identified him as somebody not worth losing out and dropping a, a f- even a few spots in the draft to replenish a couple of later round picks, that just uh, compounded the excitement for me. So if they did choose to make the move, completely would have supported it, understood it, made sense to me. But the fact that they said no, cannot, should not, not worth losing this guy, just completely put my excitement over the edge. Agreed. And, you know, I, I really respect and, and get excited about the fact that Douglas resisted the urge just to get more draft capital, just for the sake of draft capital. He identified a guy, went through the mental calisthenics of saying, okay, I can trade down and have so-and-so a player, you know, 10 picks later and a third round pick, or would I rather have this guy who is a first round talent? And basically what it comes down to is, is, is having a third round pick and this other guy who's much, much more inferior worth not having this guy. And he said no and went with it and he stuck to his guns and good for him. And, and I'm all for that. I am all for a guy making a decision, being about draft capital before the draft, because it gives you flexibility, but in the draft, it's about the better players and, and good for him. And uh, for it, we have ourselves a fucking real general general manager for first time in our, well, I guess Parcells, but he wasn't so much a general manager. He was more of a personnel guy. But uh, we have a general manager who knows what he's doing here in this era of salary cap and rookie contracts and everything else. So good for us. If you're doing a puzzle, his moves make sense and the puzzle starts to come together. Every GM before him, it was just like you threw paint against the wall and you called it art. There was no brush pickup, man. Yeah, pickup sticks, right? Throw them all on the floor, find yep. a way to pick them up. That's what it was like. <laughs> and here, you and me have been fans for a while now. The moves make sense. He doesn't have to go in front of the camera and explain his rationale. The way, the way the free agency is progressing, the way the draft progressed, if you understand the game, it's easy to see his vision and he's sticking to it and uh, it's coming together very nicely. I just... Uh, Let's get the guys in camp. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the preseason, for the practices. It's just, I am excited. I I so badly wanted to be even keel. Just let it play out. Okay, I'm happy we got a new quarterback. I'm not I'm not diving in head first. I've been through this rodeo a couple times before. And boy, oh boy, the last few months sucked me in. I'm not expecting a playoff team. I'm expecting a rookie quarterback who will have his struggles. I am expecting a head coach who's going to build a culture of unity of effort of excitement um i just i'm ready to see this team roll yes and i i one of the things i've been thinking about the past few days is i'm super excited for the season and i know they're not going to win a lot of games but but what i'm really really excited about is those fringe games where the jets might win or might not win but 
you know, be in the game. I am expecting a disciplined team that is smart. And if they lose, it's going to be because they got outplayed and the other team was better, not because they gave the game away. I am looking so forward to what I'm expecting. That doesn't mean it's going to be that way. What I'm expecting from from Salah and the guy that and the guys that Douglas drafted is a smart, well-disciplined team that that plays within the way it's what it's what it's what it's set up to do so you have you actually game plan for the other team and run things within the scheme and and you're smart and you attack the other team's weaknesses i'm expecting that and if we get that yeah we might only go seven and ten or six and eleven or eight and nine whatever it is but we've said for like three years in a row we don't care about the wins and losses we just want to see progress this hopefully i mean i i this would really be disappointing if it wasn't but this seems like the year where we get that progress where the record truly doesn't matter i could see them being anywhere from you know four and 13 to to you know nine and eight if everything goes great and they and everything comes together and all these guys you know gel the right way but it doesn't matter which way they go if i see some progress and i see a smart disciplined team that is beyond what 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 would make me beyond happy and that's what i'm looking forward to so like you i cannot wait for this all to get started i can't wait for the season to start and the nfl these days takes three or four weeks to get started before things gel so talk to me on october 1st october 5th whatever you know, whatever, around that time, around week three or four, and when the Jets start to gel and, and you start to see what the real team's going to be like, I, I I, cannot wait. Two things that I want to throw at you. Number one, thank you for making me laugh. When you were giving me the Jets projections, uh, if you can see them going uh, any which way, I'm sitting here and laughing. Wow, this guy had so many drinks, he's not even going to admit to it. Every record he's given me matches up to 17 games. Uh, and then I'm sitting here and thinking to myself, <laughs> you dumbass. Yeah, it is 17 games now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing, the one thing that you didn't mention that I'm looking forward to, I want to see this team. I want to see this team show the ability to deal with adversity. Because last season, if we went down by a touchdown, it was likely that the game was over. And if we went down by two scores, I don't care if it was first quarter, late in the first, or late in the third. This team went down by 10 points. It was a wrap. If the team threw an interception, you just saw from the head coach on down, heads would heads would be looking down. The mor- You could feel the morale was just in the dumps and you could feel it through the tv and you can't tell me otherwise you could just see the team was not built was not prepared to deal with any adversity adversity is going to happen whether you're the super bowl front runner whether you're the jacksonville jaguars or the new york jets fighting for the number one pick i want to see that the team we have now from the coach on down to the young players adversity happens zach wilson has two interceptions in the first quarter and we're losing 13-3 doesn't mean the game is over show the ability to regroup go adjust the game plan at half adjust the game plan at halftime have a pep talk something but this team has to show me this and this is what i'm looking forward to show me you can bounce back from adversity and i'm not just talking about from week to week i'm talking about recovering from bad plays in the middle of the game and not necessarily meaning that if you're down 13-3 that's a wrap and let's start looking forward to next week I want to see, I, I, you know, I, I want to see that, but I think, you know, there's a chance that even a young team, if, if they're, um, if they haven't been through it, then, then you could see a couple of games where they might 
pack it in, but you know, start to learn how to win close games and, and learn how to get in. What I want to see is a prepared team. I want to see a team that is that is not going to take so many penalties. I want to see a team that, you know, uh, you know, where where you know that if it's you know third down and it's close to the half, you're not going to run out of bounds. You want to freaking kill the clock. I want to see them force the other team into mistakes. That's what I want to see because when you're prepared, all the other stuff comes with it. And that is something my entire life, with the exception of most of the Parcells era, the Jets have never been prepared. And I say most of because when it mattered the most in that championship game in Denver in, in 1998, they fell apart. They, they, they fell apart. They were not prepared. You know, they might have started out prepared, but they did not play smart football. The Jets, as an organization, never play smart football. They did for a lot of, you know, at least all of 1998 up to that playoff game. The Jets played smart football. They were a really good team. They came back the next year and really had a shot to win the Super Bowl. They were the favorites and and legitimately so. It wasn't like, you know, people just wanted them to be. They were legitimately a good team until Testaverde went down, but the Jets never play smart. And, you know, whether it's time management or just football awareness, they just they're, they're never prepared and smart about it. That's what I want to see because the rest of it will come. You know, fighting through adversity and and, you know, learning how to win close games, that'll all be there if they're prepared and smart and, and you know, hope God willing, they're, they're, they're good enough to play in a lot of close games this year. So that, that, would, be, that would be nice after last year. I tell you that right here. The last thing I want to ask you about the 2021 draft as far as it concerns the New York Jets. Give me a grade. As a fan, as a knowledgeable fan, what grade would you give the 2021 draft and uh, maybe a quick justification of why? Okay. Um, I would, I would say they're going to get an A. I won't go A plus and I don't want to go down to B because they addressed what they needed to address. And I, I will give it incomplete from the standpoint, only from the standpoint of, we don't know what Zach Wilson's going to be because, because there are so many, there were so many quarterback options there. They could have gone fields. They could have traded back and got this, or they could have done whatever. Um, I am still not a hundred percent sold on Zach Wilson as much as I've come around on him. But they did get the quarterback they wanted. So I have to give them credit for that. So I'll give them an A because they got the quarterback they wanted that they that they feel fits their scheme. They got a lineman. Uh, and, of course, they got a, a, what is considered a top wide receiver prospect. Uh, I will not go A-plus because I'm still unsure of how the rest of the draft pans out. And, and I honestly believe that most drafts, are one like most teams are going to get better on, on the middle rounds of the draft. The late rounds are flyers, but I think the third, fourth, and maybe even the fifth are where if you can find quality players, you can you can win. You can you can really you know because anybody can pick great guys in the first two rounds unless you're the Jets. So I will go A for all of those reasons. I will not give A plus because I'm unsure of picking like four or five straight guys from the same position. I, I thought maybe the you know that might have been. Might have been a little overkill, but again, I, that's just my opinion. Um, I think the draft, if Zach Wilson turns into a very good or better quarterback, then this is an A draft without any kind of doubt. But, you know, not knowing what Zach Wilson's going to be, I'm going to give it an A. How about you? I am giving it a strong, incredibly strong A as a wow. fan who loves the Jets. Very nice. I'm giving it A. Like you, 
obviously, this grade can quickly change to an F if in two years Zach Wilson is garbage and we're looking for a new franchise quarterback. So it all hinges on Zach Wilson. But the reason I comfortably give them A++ is just like you. I believe they identified their guy. We all knew who was going number one overall. They did their due diligence. They went with a guy who they believed was a fit for their locker room and for their scheme. They then added protection for the young quarterback. They then draft a weapon and wide receiver for the young quarterback. They get a running back who uh, he's not going to be an every down back. He is going to be part of the game plan on a week-to-week basis. So we're talking about four guys that are going to be starting, that are going to be heavy-duty contributors, that are part of the long-term plan. And on the back end of the draft, I'm not as sour on it as you. I just simply don't care. It's all about depth. If a couple of those guys can be training camp dummies and a couple of those guys turn uh, survive and uh, turn out to be special team gunners, and if one of them, possibly two, if you're really lucky and the gods smile upon us, actually shine in camp, like every team always has this undrafted guy or a late-round guy who shines in camp, surprises everybody, and earns a roster spot, and not only earns a spot, becomes a contributor. So maybe one of those guys comes out and surprises the hell out of everybody. But the front end of the draft, where when you're a bad team, you cannot miss on those first couple of picks. Those are the guys that are kind of, they're going to resurrect your franchise. And I believe um, if, and that's a big if, if we did not miss on a quarterback, all the other positions were a home run. I feel very comfortable giving it A++. Just, I'm so used to coming out of the draft and being so ho-hum about it. Like, oh, okay, okay, I'm excited. Let's see what happens. This year, I'm bursting with excitement. They they dragged me back in. The plan, the vision, the players. I I, I just, I can't. I, I, I feel like I would be shortchanging them and not being honest with myself. If me, as a fan, I have to give it a strong A++ and hope Zach Wilson doesn't fuck it up. Well, good for you. I mean, listen, you're that excited about it. I, I'm not going to say I'm not, but you know, to your credit, the Jets did, hopefully, you know, unless something goes seriously wrong, the Jets have solidified the left side of their line for, for 10 to 12 years. And if Zach Wilson can be developed properly from all the tools I've seen that he possesses and all of those things that I sent you that show his um you know his his awareness and his his processing ability and the jets can develop him correctly then you put, you got a guy who's protected you got him some weapons and you and you have a, a kid that could could lead your team then yeah 3 years from now we could be looking at this as the watershed deal the watershed draft that that turned the jets around completely so knock on wood i hope you're right now facebook before we get to the two facebook posts of it, that i want that i want you to you know, not so much your opinion i know you'll laugh with me we can talk about Zach Wilson's mom. Have you seen her? I have not, but I have a oh, feeling I'm go Google out it. on something. So here's what happened, right? Zach Wilson got drafted, and there was this nice-looking blonde hugging him, and she's young-looking. And I'm like, wow, he's either got like an older, hotter girlfriend, or that's his mom. And now it's been all over the place. Like, like everybody's talking about how hot Zach Wilson's mom is. And she's in her 40s, and she's got like five or six kids happily married whatever but she's also like a social media presence and she's she's freaking hot man go check her out google it zach wilson's I mom just, is a big sensation i just so, go on you, google i type in zach w and the first thing for autofill that comes up <laughs> is mom. zach wilson mom <laughs> so 
Can you imagine being a 21-year-old kid and the last five years between high school and this now, all your friends, you know his friends have tortured him about his mom because, I mean, she's she's good looking for any, it doesn't matter what age, but for someone's mom, can you imagine his his horny high school kids coming to his house and seeing this woman in his freaking place? I mean, Oh, the Jets did good. The Jets did real good. Even if he doesn't pan out, I hope the mom gets a job in the Jets in some capacity and stays there for as long as she damn pleases. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, Welcome right. to New York, Zach yeah, Wilson's mom. Or a cheerleader or something. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So these other two posts now. This is this is this is the segment of stupidity where we're talking about this is why we can't have nice things because the Jet fans now. Instead of being ridiculous, like we all the shit we made fun of during the year, they are now so optimistic that they are being stupid. So the first one I saw the other day, which I was like, are you freaking kidding me? It's a simple post, but it's like, are you kidding? This guy gets on and says, one could argue that the Jets are the favorite in the division. I told him one could one could also put down the crack pipe. I mean, but what on what, and what fucking art. planet? I know what planet would the Jets be the favorite for anything other than last place? Even as good as they could be, they're still the fourth best team in the division, unless you know some, somebody falls apart or the Jets really come together. They are still the fourth best team in the division. Where, where, where does anyone ever possibly think they could be anything resembling a favorite? That is beyond idiotic. How do you bet against <laughs> Buffalo not being a clear-cut favorite in that division? How do you not put Miami so well-coached, uh, performed? And they had a great draft, too. I mean, they're getting the, A-pluses from all the experts. And the the team did fantastic the last two years. Uh, all the signs are there. The coaching is there. They have their young quarterback. And New England is New England. Yes, they're clearly uh, trying to rebuild a little bit, but it's still Bill Belichick. It's still a coach with a winning history. It's still a team with a very proud winning tradition. So if you want to be generous, you can say maybe if things fall right, either Miami uh, and Tua completely fall off a cliff and have an injury-riddled season, or the Patriots really go into a tank and uh, end up needing a full rebuild. So if you want to be generous, you can say the Jets can fight for the third place. But uh, clearly, if you're penciling in right now, with a rookie quarterback, you have to put him in as uh, the likeliest to finish at the bottom of the division. How how on earth, like how many drinks did you have to have in your system <laughs> to make that post and actually convince yourself that the, you're, you're putting out something smart? I, I just laugh at the stupidity, yeah, but... You're right. I mean, New England, I, I, yes, you could say if you want to be generous, the Jets can battle for third. But New England loaded up in the offseason. They they did what the Jets didn't do. They went and got every big free agent. And you know Belichick's going to coach them correctly. So it's a matter of whether Cam Newton's got anything left or Mac you know, Mac Jones turns into something. But the Patriots are, are going to, you know, the Patriots could go anywhere from, you know, nine and eight at worst to, to fighting Buffalo for the division if everything comes together for them. The Jets don't have any shot at that unless everybody on every other team gets hurt. The Jets are the fourth best team in that division going into the season without any question whatsoever. So maybe this guy meant they're the favorite to come in last place. And that would make a hell of a lot more sense. So now the other one, right? The Jets draft that they didn't draft. They signed a tight end, an undrafted free agent tight end from I forget where. I forget where. He, oh, Ole Miss, the same team that um, Elijah Moore came from, right? Okay. So this guy, he's 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 big. He's got the size, but he he doesn't have a lot of the tools. Apparently, he wasn't drafted at all, which means seven rounds of football plus compensatory picks, something like two hundred and forty picks passed by, and nobody took this guy. 
And this one guy says, um, you know, so anyway, so so the tight end posts on Facebook says, God makes no mistakes from North Providence Jets to the New York Jets. Now he has got a picture of him in like a yellow uniform that was called the Jets. And now he's a Jet. And, um, you know, so he's excited. His name, by the way, is Kenny Yaboa. Okay. So this one guy posts and says, uh, where is it here? He says, this kid I'm very excited about. He's going to be hungry as heck not being drafted. He could be better than Pitts if he keeps working. Now, Pitts okay. would be Kyle Pitts. Oh. <laughs> Pitts would be Kyle Pitts, in case you don't remember. He's the second pick in the draft and the, the biggest offensive weapon to come out in years. So that's what that's this you is mean what the Jeff guy fans that went are number five of. overall and is being called the most incredible blend of size and speed for a tight end position in years and possibly a that's generational yeah. talent. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. And he he went four overall. He was let's put it this way. Three quarterbacks went first, and this guy was the first non-quarterback off the board yep. at any position. Defense, wide receiver, anything else. He was the first offensive player off the board, four overall. He's been called miss a mismatch. He's a wide receiver in a in a tight end's body, blah, blah, blah. And and this Jet fan doesn't even go for like he could be better than Chris Herndon or you want to really stretch. He could be better than the Laney Jones. I mean, this he goes straight to the guy who was drafted in the same draft, who is is a can't miss thing, who everybody's expecting to be an absolute monster. Who, you know, most 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 Jet fans who didn't want a quarterback were saying the Jets should take this guy at two. This is the guy you go and compare him to. This, like, this if is, you want to shoot for the stars, and if it was me in this guy's shoes, and I want to just really overshoot all the all the best possibilities, my post would be: Listen. Guys, don't be surprised if this guy ends up being the starter week one. That's already as high a praise as you can hope for for an undrafted free agent. And those situations happen, but they happen so rarely. But the, it's like you said, the Jets fans, they start drinking the Kool-Aid. They got the quarterback. They got a great guy in round two. Now that means every piece of garbage we touch automatically turns to gold. This guy's going to be better than the yeah, best man. tight end coming out of college in years. Come on. Do you, do you remember August Georgie? Do you know what August Georgie is? I do not. Okay, Georgie. George on our on our, on our thread, our email thread, right? George calls himself August Georgie because every August he's optimistic. The Jets are going. They're going to win this many games. And I'm always like, dude, you're crazy. And then by October, maybe even sooner, he's like, I can't believe this. Why did I ever think that? But So August Georgie is the complete optimism. The Jet fans are either August Georgie and they go crazy, and then by, Oct- by October, as soon as the Jets lose a game, they're like, "That's it, we're going two and fourteen. This is the worst team ever. Just blow it all up and do this." And and that, but that's what it is with Jets fans. There's no in between. So now you have them saying we're the favorite to win the division. This undrafted tight end who you know, if they would have had nine rounds, might have eventually got drafted, is going to be better than the, you know the best offensive prospect in the same draft. I mean, this is what you do. There's nothing in between at all with Jets fans. There's no realism with so many of these people. It's absolutely incredible. And these are going to be the same fucking idiots who, if the Jets start this season 0-2, Zach Wilson has two touchdowns, four picks, going through his rookie growing pains, they're going to be saying, oh my god, we missed on a quarterback yet again, he's garbage, he's shit, he can't win the game. Exactly, there's no, there's no, with those fans, it's, it's so black and white, there's no gray, there's no growth, there's no development, you either have it or you don't, and we're either the best team in the world before we take a snap, or after one loss, we're the worst team that's, uh, that ever took the field. Yeah, that happens all the time. And 
like you said, you want to be realistic. You say, hey, maybe he could be the week one starter. But I'm saying if you want to do a player comparison, don't go straight to the top like that. I mean, you may as well have gone for Travis Kelsey on that. You know, <laughs> be, be realistic. If you want to be ridiculous, say, hey, man, you know, this guy could be our Evan Engram. I mean, at least Engram has shown flashes and he's underperformed a bit. And, you know, like you know, like he's, he's considered the same thing. He's a, he's a wide receiver and a tight ends body, blah, blah, blah. All of those things. Say, hey, he can be our Evan, our Evan Engram. After the tight ends we've had for the last how many God knows since Dustin Keller, I guess, Evan Engram yeah. would be like a freaking score for us, you know? So that's what you look for. Hey, he could be Evan Engram. And even then we'd be like, dude, let's not get crazy. He has, you literally wasn't even drafted. for the same draft class for the best guy. And you're like, this is where we're going to be better than. So. Not, not even just the best tight end, but the best offensive player. And, and he went straight for that. All right, my man. I have nothing else. If uh, if that's all, and you don't have anything, then we will uh, aim for next Monday. Talk a little more. That's all I got on my end. Looking forward to talking to you in a week. You have a good one. Take care.